Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. Hello, and welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm Sherry. And I'm David. And we are excited to discuss today a concept that is really important with all couples. This concept is empathy. And so today we're going to be talking about how to build empathy between individuals in a relationship. And we'll mostly be talking, I think, about couple relationship, but you can apply this to any, any relationship that you're in that you want to sit down with them and work on developing more empathy. So this is a really good, widely applicable topic and is important also for couples where there's been some betrayal in the relationship to get to. And this is not the first thing on the list, but in terms of the recovery work that you're going to be doing, but it is an important piece that we teach clients. So David, I love it. I love it because what I found doing this is, you know, the guy, let's say who's in addiction, who is trying to rebuild trust with his wife, he needs to know how to have empathy in order to do it. And I, I tell my clients that empathy is like the key that will unlock every door. And I found that a lot of guys in needing to do this, needing to learn how to do this, they also struggle with trusting their wives emotionally. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is if he were to bring something to her, like he's sad or he's upset, if she's able to listen and understand and take care of him, they don't have a lot of confidence that their wives want to or can. And so this is absolutely my favorite topic. It really, really is. I would talk about this every session if I could. (laughs) I love it. I call it empathy skills building or learning to listen for understanding. And what I will say is if you're going to take notes, take good notes because I've learned that these steps matter. And if you don't follow the steps and in the right order, you kind of get lost. And we'll talk about that here in the beginning. There's some very important rules to remember. And I think with empathy, what you don't do is just as important as what you do do. Yes. And we're going to learn how normal average communication isn't very empathetic. And it's not always appropriate to go into some deep, long empathy conversation (laughs) with everybody all the time, but we're going to learn some of the qualities of empathy and really step-by-step how to do it. So if you've ever wanted to just learn, develop, have, use empathy, this will tell you exactly step one, step two, step three. And I've found that a lot of people really appreciate the order of it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what empathy is first and... There's things that you do when you have empathy, when you're really trying to take the other person's perspective. You're trying to put yourself in their shoes, which isn't just situational, right? You're trying to understand how coming from their background, from everything about them and all of that, then if they were in that situation, 
how would they feel? So really putting yourself not just in their position in the circumstances, but but really even broader. If you were them, how would that feel? What would how would you feel like they might be feeling in that particular situation? So really kind of feeling what they're what they're experiencing. You want to stay out of judgment. Don't make judgment calls on what they're doing or how they're feeling, all of that. You that's really important <laughs> to not try to judge or allow yourself to judge the choices that they've made or how they responded or what you think they're thinking or how you think they should be doing things. That's not what empathy about it is. Empathy is just about understanding what they're going through. You want to also really key in on the emotions. What is it that they are feeling? What would you feel like maybe you would feel if you were them in that situation? Really key in to what's going on emotionally and being able to then communicate that emotion back. So a lot of times when you talk about arguments, you talk about things that people are having conversations about, they really stay in sort of the action space. I did, you did in that kind of a realm. I went to the store and this is what I did. And this guy was yelling at me and I was super mad. There's not a lot of like, well, I did put a motion word in there, didn't I? But there's not a lot of that. Usually you're usually just talking facts of what happened. And what we want to do when you're really empathetic, you're really getting down into the emotions of what's happening. Yeah, we, we, (laughs) I, I tease clients all the time because I'll ask them how they feel and they tell me how they think. Yes. And you'll notice a lot of times we'll say, well, I feel, and I hold my breath. Oh, here comes like, I don't know, sad maybe, or or some emotion word. Like, I I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Like, you always do this. I'm like, that's not a feeling. I know that's kind of our vernacular Mm -hmm. nowadays. It really is. But words are powerful. They matter. Sherry mentioned in past episodes about an emotion will, and that can be super helpful, especially in this one. I require it. You have to have the emotion wheel. It really is. Because if you have words that you can use and a vocabulary for feelings and emotions, it's going to help tremendously. So we've, we've got to get a little bit better at recognizing emotion, communicating that emotion. And I know for a lot of people, me, especially earlier, I just was not good at recognizing emotion or communicating emotion. I've gotten a lot better at recognizing emotion and I try to communicate that emotion a lot more as well. Mm -hmm. And I need words to do that. So yes, if for example, I'm angry and all I say is I'm angry, that starts the process, but it shouldn't be the end of it. And if my, my wife is angry and she says, I am angry at you, what I want to do is understand, okay, let's break this anger down a little bit. Is this embarrassment? Is this guilt? Is this shame? Is this feelings of abandonment or rejection? What exactly is it? Because the more we can communicate that emotion, the more empathy will come through. So empathy, Brene Brown, we owe a lot to Brene. Yes. She's taught us a lot Bless about her. empathy. And so... Remember, these are the four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, which is absolutely number one, the most important thing. Staying out of judgment, like Sherry talked about. Recognizing emotion in other people and communicating that emotion. 
I know it sounds a little daunting. Trust me, when you learn these steps and you can go step by step, it does get easier. I think for a lot of us, we just don't know what we don't know. And if we actually have steps, we can Mm -hmm. follow instructions and we can pull it off. And this is so necessary. I would ask you to... To listen with fresh ears, open your mind and heart. You may think that you're good at listening and and you may very well be good at listening. What I see and hear often is couples will think they are. And as I ask them to talk about something for the purpose of understanding and I just observe what happens, there's not a lot of understanding. Often we think we know how somebody feels and we jump to the next step, which is now what do they need or how do I fix it or what about me? And we actually didn't really know how they felt. So... This will be good to learn to slow it down. And before we get to the steps of empathy, there are some really important rules to remember. And these are all tried in the the furnace of life, you might say. (laughs) This is all coming out of like very sad and painful experience. I've almost had to add these like one at a time as I saw things happen here in therapy. And so these are all on here for a reason. They're very particular. Yeah. And I like, I'm just going to jump back just for a second. I really like that you're bringing up that oftentimes we think we're good listeners, but maybe we aren't. And I think that's a real key to just, just remember if you feel like, Hey, I'm a great listener, then kind of run through this and really see, do you do these empathy pieces up front at the beginning? Because that it's, it's very easy to just listen to someone just talk through something and then like he's saying, move on and like, okay, well, how do you, you know, how do you fix that instead of really sitting in the emotional space with them and understanding, uh, understanding the emotions of it? Right. That's really important. And I, I try to tell my clients, you'd be surprised how 99% of the problems the other person has will be solved if they feel understood. Yes. Unless they begin with, will you give me your opinion or will mm-hmm. you tell me what you think? They're really not asking for it. They're looking for support and validation. Someone support to and validation. see them, someone to hear them. Yep. And that, that's, I tell my clients that a lot too. It's just seeing them and hearing them is what most of the time people are looking for. And that actually is what fixes it. That is the fix. Yep. Yes. And it's hard. A lot of my guys who are very cognitive and logical and gals too can be this way. It kind of almost doesn't make sense that the fix is that they feel understood. Yes. But like that, that wasn't the purpose of them coming to you was for you to tell them the list of ways that, you know, if you do this and you do this, (laughs) like your whole problem will be solved. That's not what people often come to when to other people for when they're venting or struggling or having a hard time. They want someone to see them. Yes. And that is, so that is what we're doing here is we want, we want to help people to see other people. And this will probably, I tell all my couples this, we're going to start this just so you know, it's going to feel awkward. You're going to be looking down at a piece of paper or you're going to be like trying to remember steps. And (laughs) that's part of this process. It's going to feel a little awkward. It's going to feel uncomfortable because you're learning something new. It's like, you're just getting on your uh, bike for the very first time ever. It feels really, really awkward and uncomfortable. And it's going to maybe even feel like, well, they're not really seeing me and understanding me because they're following like this little checklist. (laughs) But 
you're hopefully going to get seen and heard and you're hopefully going to be able to see and hear the other person while you're learning this funky new skill that feels a little awkward. And then as you get the hang of it, then you'll really have the, that skill set underneath you and, and it won't feel awkward. It's kind of like once you learn this well, you can make it your own. Yes. And personalize it and, and do different things. But learning the routine, you're learning the notes. You get mm-hmm. to create the music, but you've got to learn the notes because they're universal. And that's what this is. And I've seen some really awesome things with this. And I can tell you, most of the time couples come in and they weren't able to resolve something or they don't feel good about something. I'll ask if they attempted this and they'll say yes. And I'll say, what happened? And they always break steps. They always go from step one to step five or, or they get off track with the important rules that we're going to cover. And if they just follow it and I do it in here and help them to follow it, it works. I'm Mm -hmm. not kidding every time. Yeah. And often the spouse says, wow, I've never felt more understood about this than I do right now, which just warms my heart. I mean, that's the point of this process, right? Yeah. So open heart, open mind. Let's jump in. The important rules rules to remember. And these are not in particular order. When we get to the steps, we'll let you know step one, step two. These are more bullet points. And so not in particular order, but here's what I've seen learning to have empathy. So empathy won't be present if you're in shame. In other words, you have to manage your worth enough to even do this process. And that's why hopefully you're in a process of increasing your sense of self-worth. There's lots of ways to do that. And we can have an episode on that and really ought to. Mm -hmm. But if you are in shame, you can't also have empathy. Yes. They're kind of opposites. Shame really pulls you completely inward. Everything's comes in. It's about you. You have no ability to look out and kind of see where other people are and how they're experiencing things because anything that's going to happen, anything that's going to come out of their mouth, right, is going to put you further into shame. So you can't even see them or what's going on for them, really. Yep. And and you'll find that often what they need to talk about has something to do with you. Even if they were to start (laughs) the conversation with you jerk you and they go off and your defenses go up and you're Mm -hmm. ready to say no way I am not a jerk this is why you have to manage your own emotions and really your sense of self you're worth enough to say okay whatever has really made them upset is about my stuff it's something I said or something I did it's not actually who I am even Mm -hmm. if they word it like it's who I am like yes. Sherry talked about. So they're not probably going to say, what you did really hurt me. They're just going to say, you are a, and let you have it. <laughs> so this is really, really hard, but it's why it's important to remember. If you're going to attempt empathy conversations, you have to be ready, prepared to not get overwhelmed with your own shame so that you can stay present and really hear what they're saying. Yeah. The defensive, I like when he's saying the defenses go up. And so if you can get really good at this, you can hear something like that. You jerk, you did, you know, you are, and you can start, you can be able to pull back from that and say, okay, something's wrong with, you know, with what, with them in terms of how they're feeling, something's hard for them. 
and separate yourself out from it enough to hear and see them. And that is incredibly difficult to do. It is. And by the way, if you ever need to take a break in this process, mm-hmm. you can say, hey, give me a minute. I need to process. I love the line, I need to process, because you're not in trouble for needing to take time and space. Yeah. So that we don't get flooded or our emotions get too escalated. I mean, rule rule number one in healthy communication is know when not to communicate. Yeah. So if you're too upset, you're too flooded, say, hey, maybe I shouldn't need to take a break, but I do. Give me a minute so that you can calm down, take deep breaths, do affirmations and... And separate yourself from the content that's coming at you a little bit. Exactly. Yep. So that's a really key thing. That the second important rule to remember, or the next bullet point, I guess we're not numbering these, is to not make it about you. This is not about you. This is tough. It's so hard. It can be very hard. You're listening to them. You are going to eventually, with this process, you will do the steps and then you'll switch. And then the other person has a chance to to be heard and seen. So with this, you are listening to them. This is about them. And this fits with that other bullet point, right? You're separating yourself out of it. It's not, you know, you're not going to fling back about, well, but you did this, or it's all about, or how could you say this about me and make it about you? You're going to stay out of that space and not get defensive if you have to take breaks. Try your very best not to. Yes, step out of that and just really seek to get underneath what's going on for them down to the layers of emotion that they're experiencing. And, and I found it helpful sometimes to have an affirmation that you can say. And a helpful mm-hmm. affirmation is, I have nothing to lose. My worth, my value is not on the line. And you may have to use this often. They're, they're saying something and you're like, oh, wow, like this really hurts. Yeah. Like, I'm feeling like, a, like yes. a piece of crap here with what they're telling me. But I have nothing to lose. Once they feel understood, you'll be surprised at how much better they feel. And even though in the beginning of this process, they might be really, really hurting and it's all directed at you. When they feel understood, it will change. It really will. Every single time it'll deescalate and you'll be so glad that you didn't match the intensity and blame Mm -hmm. them and get into name calling or back and forth where nobody's understanding anybody. You're both trying to convince the other and how well does that work out? Yeah. Not usually too well. I remember my, my dad telling me when I was young, he said, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. But think about that. How often do we take that approach in our conversations? We're going to convince them and they're clearly, they're clearly not open or Mm -hmm. willing in the moment. And yet we are going to force them to see it our way. Well, I don't know how successful you've been at that. I haven't been. Mm -mm. He'll be convinced still. I love it. So next bullet point. Oh, this is a biggie. Don't explain why you did something. That's not the point (laughs) or the fix. So if you're the, and this, by the way, all of these bullet points are, are for the person who's listening. The speaker is speaking. This is when you're in the position of listener. When you're the listener, do not explain why. Let's say the speaker is hurt because you didn't take the garbage out. 
and you are chomping at the bit to say, well, here's why I didn't take the garbage out. Just listen to me. If you know why I didn't, everything will be fixed. For mm-hmm. smaller things, you know, that's not a bad philosophy. I think that works a lot. Mm-hmm. But for some bigger, deeper soul kinds of things, it will not matter why. And, and the intensity is, is a good indicator too, because you might think yeah. something small, but if they're coming at you big, just, just go to the empathy space. Yep. The Don't why, explain. the why in the moment is irrelevant. The why is irrelevant. So you'll find that once you go through this process and they feel understood, if appropriate at the end of this process, you can give them a why and it will be received entirely differently than if you use it yes, in the beginning. 100%. <laughs> so trust me on this. Don't explain why you did something. That's not the point of the conversation. Yeah. The point is to understand. Understand. And not just understand the surface. You're understanding the emotions. Understanding, understanding and feeling. Yep. And feeling. Okay. Next bullet point is to remember that feelings are valid Oof. and they need empathy. That can be hard when, when it's directed at you, even though maybe the thoughts behind those feelings, you may have issue with whether or not that is the actual fact of what happened or that they don't understand all the facts of what the situation is, but the feelings are still valid. Something is going on for them emotionally and whether or not the quote unquote reality of what you've, you've decided as reality over the situation versus theirs is quote unquote valid. You want to get underneath to what the feelings are because they are valid and deserve to have to be seen and heard. This one is so important. I could probably do a whole episode just on this one now that I think about it. <laughs> because feelings are valid, but they're not necessarily reality. And and you've yeah. heard me say before, mental health is a commitment to reality at all cost. How we feel is important, though. But we tend to get stuck on if it's not reality or how we see it, our perception may not be reality either. But if it's not our perception, we have mm-hmm. a real hard time understanding the other person. For example, if I come home and I'm late, I'm just pulling this out of thin air. All right. He's never late. Let's say there was, I don't know, a (laughs) cul-de-sac barbecue. Okay. And I'm not a big fan of those. No big deal. I'm just kind of an introvert and my wife loves them. And so I'm late, but I'm not late on purpose, but I am late and I missed it. She did set up, take down. She was visiting. It was just her and everybody else had, you know, them and their spouse with them. Mm-hmm. And she was the odd man out. And I get home, everything's done. And I walk in the front door. What's the first thing I hear? She's not very happy with me Yeah. because I was late on purpose. Well, the reality is that I wasn't late on purpose but she's still hurt. And if I go right to, wait a minute, I wasn't late on purpose. It's not like all of those feelings inside her just disappear. Oh, okay. You weren't late on purpose. That fixes everything. It really, you know, for again, (laughs) little issues, maybe like, I don't know, buying eggs or something that might work, but on bigger stuff, it doesn't work. Not that you won't share at some point that you weren't late on purpose. There's just a process. If I say I wasn't late on purpose, 
what do you mean? And we start down a cycle and we know where that goes. If I take a different approach and I try empathy and I say, I can tell that you're really hurting about this. Tell me about it. Well, I was doing this and this and you weren't there. And I kept thinking you're going to show up and you never did. And then I thought, you know, he doesn't like this anyway. He really doesn't. He did this on purpose. I don't know if I'm all that important to him anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to know that. And if I'm listening to her, I'm able to understand really what this is about and what's behind it or underneath it. And I can have empathy. Yeah. And we'll talk about how I would do that. But if at the end of that process, she's feeling better, we've de-escalated. Yeah. If appropriate, and I think in this case it would be, to say, hey, you know what? I really wasn't late on purpose. How is that going to be received versus in the beginning, me walking through the front door? So that's the point. Feelings are valid. They need empathy even if they're not necessarily based in reality. They're still hurting. And we have to, we don't have to. We could go about doing things the way we've always done them. But if we want to become more effective and if we want to connect and increase the closeness in the relationship, I recommend a different approach where you focus on the feelings first. Yes. Yeah. I think we definitely could do an entire episode on that. (laughs) I love it. I love it because for me, guys look at me with this confused look like, wait a minute, but, but they're wrong. And it's, it's kind of hard to understand. Well, but how do they feel? Well, I don't know, but they're wrong. It's like, there's this hang up. You can do it though. You can learn to get past this. And I promise you, your partner will love it because you have nothing to lose. It's like you're just so calm and safe and trustworthy. You're trustworthy when you can do this. And they get to the end and like, oh, you weren't, you weren't late on purpose, but you just spent this time to comfort me and nurture me and listen to me and understand me. That's closeness. And that's what we're after. Yeah. Yeah. You're able to set yourself aside a little bit. It just goes back to what I tell clients all the time that if you really understand someone, you know, they make sense. So maybe their reality or the facts or whatever aren't necessarily accurate. But if you understand where they're coming through from, you really understand that whole process that got them to where they were feeling that way, they'll make sense. Yep. And so that's a really key a key piece and feelings are always giving you important information about what's going on around you and whatnot, how you're choosing to see, you know, how you've seen reality and, you know, how you've interpreted the facts that are coming at you. And so it's just, yes, we could definitely do a whole episode on that. And I know just from talking to so many people about this, that even though you don't agree with whatever, if she or he is feeling unimportant to you or mm-hmm. like they're not a priority, you want to know that that is important to you. Yeah. And so however they got there, you want to reassure them of how you really feel. And that will be through a process like this much better than coming in hot and saying they're wrong and off mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. How does, how does that generally go? It doesn't go very well for me. Not usually. Well, not for me. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's not usually helpful. Okay. The next bullet point is that you aren't trying to agree. You're not trying to come to the same place on this. You're trying to understand where they're coming from. 
So very similar to the last bullet point. Mm -hmm. But I hear this a lot, which is why I made it a bullet point (laughs) all the time. But I don't agree. But I don't agree. I'm like, well, what if you don't agree? You know, we can actually have understanding without agreeing. Yes. There are lots of, I mean. I mean, I know it's hard to believe in our world today. Not today. If you don't agree, you're you're mortal enemies. But you actually Mm -hmm. can have a lot of understanding and not agree. And that's, you know, part of this process. So focus on what they're feeling. Focus on understanding where they are and where they're coming from. Yes. Next one is another biggie. Do not problem solve, fix, or give advice. Again, unless they're asking specifically, what do you think or what would you do? Don't tell them what they need to do. That's not what this is. And that step alone is going to make you a much better listener. Just that one. Yes. If, if you just chose one of these, when people talk to you, don't problem solve, fix, or give advice unless they ask. And you'd be surprised. I've done this before, almost like an experiment where how many people who are talking to me actually ask me directly for my advice or what I think. You yes. know how often it happens? <laughs> Not very. Not very at all. But we are always sharing what we think despite nobody actually asking for it. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't problem solve or fix or give advice unless they ask. Yeah. And that's one too, where sometimes, you know, you can listen and then you can say, are you interested in, (laughs) in having, you know, in, in my thoughts on this and then be fine if they're not, because that wasn't what they were coming for in the first place. Yep. Okay, the last bullet point before we get into our steps of how to do this is that this is not a fact-checking situation. (laughs) They don't (laughs) have to feel what you would feel. They don't have to do what you would do if you were in this situation. So you don't need to run them through all of that. And And we've all been there, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody comes home and they're ticked off and you say, well, what's going on? Well, somebody cut me off in traffic. And they're so angry and they're kind of in trouble that they're angry because had somebody cut you off, you would not have been that angry. And so again, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't react the same way they did. And so they're kind of not allowed to have their feelings in your mind. This isn't about what would I have done. It's just about how they feel. So don't get stuck on whether you would or would not have done something differently or reacted differently, or my best friend just said this, or they just did that, and now they're distraught, and you're thinking, well, big deal. What's the big deal? That's not even a big deal. Yeah. Maybe not for you, and that's fine, but that's not empathy. Yeah. It's okay for it to be a big deal for them. It's okay for them to have responded differently, and it's also okay, you know, for them to have done something different. Well, did you, were you not letting them in? Were you this? Were you that? You know, not important. Not important. We're all of those facts are completely irrelevant to what they we're are. doing. They really are. And if they need to be shared or known, again, save it for the end of this process. When yeah. it will be received much, much better, I promise. Yes. Yeah. We're not saying this process takes the place of ever having problem solving <laughs> or right. or places where you actually work together and get on the same page. This is just the pre-stuff. Do this first. And then everything else will just go so much more smoothly. 
It really will. I mean, this kind of conversation is not your average conversation. Honestly, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of effort and energy and focus and concentration. And so it's not like every time you talk about something, you're going to do empathy skills building. No, <laughs> but there are some biggies. If there's been <laughs> betrayal, if there's been hurt, if there's been, I mean, the way out absolutely is to feel felt. That's how we heal. That's how we connect. And so this is a special kind of, of conversation. When there's a lot of accelerated or heightened emotions and things like that, this is a great um, thing to use around those kinds of topics. Yep, exactly. So those are the important rules to remember. Now let's talk steps. There are seven steps, and here's the first one. The first one is that you both are on the same page that you're going to do some empathy skills building. You're going to decide who's going to be the speaker and who's going to be the listener first. And you're going to agree to follow those important rules that we just talked about. Okay. So make sure that you're, you both understand this is what we're doing right now. We're doing this empathy skills building and You're both going to promise to have good intentions, which means you're both genuinely trying to connect around this. Which is surprising. You know, I didn't used to have this in here, but there were so many couples that would begin this process and one would already be angry, upset, unprepared. And so I had to put this in here and say, hey, really promise to have good intentions if you're going to do this. And the good intentions hopefully are to genuinely connect. Nobody's trying to hurt anybody on purpose. Mm -hmm. You want to work this out. You want to be together. You love each other. Seems like it goes without say, but I learned the hard way. Not always. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, you're engaging in this and use a legal phrase in in good faith. In good faith. You're actually going to try Mm -hmm. and you have to connect and understand and work together. Yes. And I like, you know, those the phrases, hey, can we practice communicating or, you know, can we do some empathy skills building? Can I practice being the listener, the speaker first? You know, just have those little conversation first, the pre-conversation to set it up and be ready to move into this. Now, the interesting thing about this, this is kind of a formal process as you're probably figuring out, right? Sometimes... We don't do step one, but that's only Mm -hmm. if you want to be the listener, (laughs) never if you want to be the speaker, but you can do it if you want to be the listener. Sometimes I talk to people that say, you know what, they're not, they don't want to talk to me. Like they've been so hurt. They don't feel any trust. They don't like, if I were to say, Hey, can we talk? They wouldn't even want to talk. Yeah. And so for them, I say, look, it doesn't have to be that formal. You can still follow these steps. You're just not going to start with do you have time to do an empathy skills building conversation with me right now? What you're going to do is say something like, how are you feeling? What's going on? You're still going to follow the steps as the listener. listener. They just won't necessarily know they're the speaker. They're speaking, but it doesn't have to be so formal where they're aware that it's happening. Right. Which is great because again, like we talked about, this is something that doesn't get 
you don't have to only use in the context of a couple or context of a betrayed couple. You can use this with your kids. You can use this yes, at work. It works amazing with kids, by it's the way. It's amazing to use in all of these different contexts. And so obviously you're not going to be talking, you know, with your boss or your coworker and say, hey, can I practice <laughs> like, communicating with you or whatever? You're just going to listen to them and they're going to be, you know, ranting about this customer that was terrible or whatever. And, oh, that must have been so hard. It sounds like you were getting really frustrated and and hurt that they wouldn't, you know, and all of that. So you really start getting into that space with them and it's great. It is. But I will say, just thinking about it, if you both know you're going to practice this, it can help to know whose role is what. Yes. Just so that you don't switch. If you're actually sitting down and doing this process, what sometimes happens is the speaker is sharing and the listener says something like, well, how do you think I feel? And that's a really good opportunity for the speaker to say, dear, I love you. Remember how I'm the speaker and you're the listener? I'm really interested to hear how you hear <laughs> once do, we get to the end however, and switch roles. So yes. it is helpful sometimes to know, okay, Gentle here's reminder. the roles. If I'm the listener, that's all I am. I'm not the speaker. Mm-hmm. I'm the listener. So keep that in mind. Yeah. The second step is the speaker then shares their feelings. And this can be a story or an incident. They're just going to talk now about whatever is important for them to talk about. Now, this can Mm -hmm. be going in something that you know this is what we're going to talk about. For example, if there's been betrayal, then it can be the betrayal. But it really can be about anything. Something that frustrated you. Something that it could be something relevant in the moment. They're going to try, hopefully, to focus on the emotions they're feeling. That's what the emotion will can be helpful for. They have this emotion will in front of them and they're looking at it and they can say words that fit. And they don't have to follow this format, but I found it's helpful. I feel blank when blank. Mm-hmm. That's what they're sharing. What you're doing as the listener is just really listening well. Because you want to give it back to them in the next step in your own words. So don't just be memorizing what they're telling you. Be thinking about what they're telling you. Be feeling about what they're telling you. And if they don't give you very much, you can ask follow-up questions like, well, why? Or how? Or what was that like? Or tell me more about that. And I've found sometimes that it can be helpful to limit this sharing to one topic and five minutes. Yeah. A lot of times when this process doesn't go well, I'll hear something like, oh man, so they talked for 45 minutes and I started <laughs> well. I really felt like I was in a good place. I wasn't in shame. I was listening. But after about 15 minutes of how I'm a piece of crap, I just kind of wasn't listening well anymore and yes. <laughs> went into my shame, which is reasonable. Yes, so that's understandable. That's fair. So I put this in here, limit this to one topic in five minutes. This shouldn't be, hey, you hurt my feelings. And you know what? Last year, you forgot our anniversary. And the year before that, you didn't do anything on my birthday. And it starts to spread really big. And you're going, oh, no, how am I going to track all this? The real technical term, you know, we say is throwing in the kitchen sink. You throw everything in but the kitchen sink, right? You just kind of pile it on. And and I think sometimes that is a a draw for someone who is finally being heard for the yes. first time. Really good point. All of a sudden it's like, 
Oh my I have an audience. Goodness. You're listening. I'm, you're actually listening to me. You're hearing me. And it just starts to go. And and then there's this and then there's this because they are they're they're starving for yes. that. They're starving for that a- attention and for someone to actually hear them. And then someone is and it just it just goes and goes. And then there's this situation and then there was this situation and you're still being empathetic. And so it just they just want to finally be seen and heard mm-hmm. so really that's it's oftentimes what is is happening here and then sometimes it's also because you know you're just upset and throwing in well then there was this other time that you did something <laughs> sort of similar which is understandable but which is there's got to be some limit here otherwise it might what i don't want to have happen this can take a lot of emotional energy mm-hmm. and it just you can't keep it up very long yeah. And so that's So keep it short, keep it to one topic or one situation. Yep. Right? And and try to stay in that space. Yes. So for this episode, we are out of time. We're going to continue in the next mm-hmm. episode right where we left off in step three. But I hope you enjoy this. Come back and listen to the rest of the steps. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com.